The Gospel reading according to Luke, the third chapter. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea, and Herod was the ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip was the ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Licinius, ruler of Abilin, during the high priesthood of Aeneas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zachariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the regions around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight, Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall, shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. There are two things that captivated me when I read today's Gospel. The first is the beginning two verses. Look offsets this story of John's ministry by situating us in this historical time. He creates this backdrop for the narrative in which he places John the Baptist in the midst of these prominent leaders and forces who are much more recognizable than him. John, even though he comes from a lineage of priests, he himself is not from the high priest's house or family. He is not from an established family in Rome or from any of the prominent leaders with influence and power. Yet it is him that the voice of God comes to. Through him, the way is paved, a sin is set for the coming of the Messiah. And by this text, it is coming to dismantle the forces of the world as they all know them. But John wasn't the first of the prophets to come to the children of Israel. And in this very text, we are introduced to one of the many prophets that came to these people. And it is here that I am captivated again by this gospel. Luke uses the words of the prophet Isaiah. I mean, we are beginning John's ministry. You'd think that this whole text is just going to be about John and the work that he's going to do. And even though Luke gives us a little bit of a glimpse in those past few verses of what John's ministry is going to be about, he takes a pause and takes us back and takes his entire audience back to the book of Isaiah. Some of you may already know that in the synagogues, the Hebrew text was what was read the way we read the gospel readings in our church today. We also know from the gospels that the Isaiah texts were very prominent and were quoted quite a little bit in the, in the gospels that we have. So I imagine to the people who are hearing this Luke's gospel, they know exactly what he's talking about. They know that this text is from Isaiah 40. And so I wondered, what was the purpose of Luke just bringing this Isaiah text right here at the beginning of John's ministry? So, as the faithful Christian that I am, I went to Isaiah 40 
and I read the rest of the, of the book just to see if I could get a little bit of a context or insight on why this text was really important for this time. And as I read the entire book of Isaiah, not the entire book, just the 40th chapter, I quickly learned that this particular chapter is not, about, is not only about the promise of God, but also a reminder to the children of Israel who God was. You see, they had been in the, in the exile for a while, and most of them had started to doubt who, whether God was going to actually liberate them from this exile that they had been in. And the words of prophet Isaiah in the first few chapters begin with a calling out to comfort for the people who have already been in exile away from their homeland, for a desert highway to be built for their return back home. And in the next few chapters, it proclaims God's power, the power that will make a, the reality for them to one day go back home. Isaiah 40 confesses the character of God. This is both expressed through the lens of, of God's creativity in its entirety. You see, Isaiah 40 is, this, is a chapter that anchors the children of Israel in the reality of the God that they serve, a powerful, comforting, faithful God. It's a reminder of their history as a beloved people of God, chosen among nations, a reminder of the God who had led them out of Egypt through the desert and gave them their own land, made them a strong nation, the same God who continued to seek them out even when they doubted, rejected, and fell away from him. The same God who to this moment in Luke was still seeking them out. Because you see, in the midst of all the waiting, especially a very long waiting, it is so easy to lose, walk, to lose focus and be swept away in the in-moment the, in in things. And I imagine this waiting that the children of Israel had done for countless years was probably very tiring. I mean, if anybody should know what it means to wait, we are a very good example of that. We have sat in the funk of COVID-19 for almost two years now, and oh my God, has it been exhausting. It's not even 10 years, and I feel tired of it. And even though this is nowhere close to where the children of is what the children of Israel had gone through in their waiting, we at least have felt a little bit of the emotional roller coaster that this journey of waiting puts people on. And even as though it hasn't been enough being secluded in our own homes, the world problems did not end. Injustice continued across the world. Hunger and poverty did not come to an end. And so many other problems continued to just be. You see, that this is the same reality that Israel was in. Neither did any of their problems, their everyday problems go away. They saw emperors rise and fall. They were enslaved in another nation. They dealt with the, reality, the harsh realities of the world that they were living in. And so Luke takes them back 
to anchor them in the reality of the God that they serve. And I realized this week just how much I really needed this sort of anchoring. As we ushered into this week, the message that Pastor Harley preached last Sunday set in a lot more. These transitional stages of life are really hard. While we're waiting to figure out what to do with the COVID situation in our world, we also hold the fragility of other realities in our world. Death, anxiety, fear, injustice, loss, hate, and all those complicated, hard things continue to be a part of our daily lives, things that we have to deal with regardless of COVID's existence. And this week, I went to Rite Aid to actually get my booster shot. And as I stood in a very long line, I couldn't help but be anchored in hopefulness. We were there, so many people in this long line, and some of us were there to get our fast shots. Others, like myself, had finally mastered the courage to get our booster shots. Others were there to inquire whether they should or shouldn't get their shots. Either way, we were all caught up in this space, masked and distanced, and yet surprisingly normal. And it felt like just maybe, maybe we had finally moved away from the lockdown stages and closer into the new reality that awaits us on the other side whenever COVID finally chooses to leave us alone. And even though we were masked up, you could see people's eyes smiling. We shared stories about the anxieties and fears of getting the shots. We, we shared stories about children, about shoes, hair, and all kinds of other things. It was such a fun moment, even though I was terrified. It was still such a fun moment and a reminder of the everyday things that bring hope in our world. So as I wrote this week's message, I felt led to anchor us in this God of Israel, our God, everlasting, strong enough to move mountains and yet chooses to meet us in the vulnerable. God, who gives, us, who gives strength to the weak, who renews, encourages, and comforts us every day. Our God, who stands with us in the waiting, in life transitions and in the thresholds, in our work against injustice, the one who's, who holds us together when we stumble and fall, the one who reminds us that we're loved even when we are in so much doubt of ourselves, in hopelessness and in hope, in grief and in celebration. That is the God I would love to anchor us in today to be anchored in the truth of a God with us, a God who sits in our humanity and shares that with us, who loves us and calls us beloved even when we reject and go away, the God who sits with us in this crazy time in our world, who sat with the children of Israel for many years, even when they did not wanna be with him, even when they didn't recognize the kind of power that God brought into their nation, God still loved on them, 
sought them out in the midst of all of that confusion. It's the same God that we are waiting, the same God that we're waiting on every day in our lives. As we close today's sermon, I would like to anchor us in the prayer of Apostle Paul to the Philippians that we had earlier today. And it reads, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way all about you, since I have had in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. Amen.